Ruth Rosen, a professor of history at the University of California at Davis, wrote an op-ed piece several years ago about Mother's Day that helps us to understand where the idea came from. The women who conceived Mother's Day would be bewildered by the ubiquitous ad that hound us to find that perfect gift for mom. They would expect women to be marching in the streets, not eating with their families in restaurants. And this is because Mother's Day began as a holiday that commemorated women's public activism, not as a celebration of, women, of mother's devotion to her family. And the story began in 1858 when a community activist named Anna Reeves Jarvis organized Mother's Works Days in West Virginia. You may remember that those were the days when a great many social improvement projects took wing in the United States. The asylum, or idea of a decent, clean place for people with mental illnesses to stay. The public schools movement, spearheaded by Horace Mann. Anna Jarvis' main and immediate goal was to improve sanitation in the Appalachian communities. During the Civil War, Jarvis pried women from their families to care for the wounded on both sides. Afterwards, she convened meetings to persuade men to lay aside their hostilities. In 1872, Julia Ward Howe, author of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, proposed an annual Mother's Day for peace. Committed to abolishing war, Howe wrote, Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We women of one country will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. For the next 30 years, Americans celebrated Mother's Day for peace on June 2nd. Many middle-class women in the 19th century believed that they bore a special responsibility as actual or potential mothers to care for the casualties of society and to turn America into a more civilized nation. They played a leading role in the abolitionist, abolitionist movement to end slavery. In the following decades, women launched successful campaigns against lynching and consumer fraud and battled for improved working conditions for women and protection for children. Public health services and social welfare assistance to the poor. To these activists, the connection between motherhood and the fight for social and economic justice seemed self-evident. In 1913, Congress declared the second Sunday in May to be Mother's Day. By then, the growing consumer culture had successfully redefined women as consumers for their families. Politicians and businessmen eagerly embraced the idea of celebrating the private sacrifices made by individual mothers. As the Florist Review, the industry's trade journal, bluntly put it, this was a holiday that could be exploited. The new advertising industry quickly taught Americans how to honor their mothers by buying flowers. Outraged by florists who were selling carnations for the exorbitant price of a dollar apiece, 
Anna Jarvis' daughter undertook a campaign against those who would undermine Mother's Day with their greed. She fought a losing battle. Within a few years, the Florist Review triumphantly announced that it was Miss Jarvis who was completely squelched. Since then, Mother's Day has ballooned into a billion-dollar industry. Americans may revere the idea of motherhood and love their own mothers, but not all mothers. Poor, unemployed mothers may enjoy flowers, but they also need child care, job training, health care, a higher minimum wage, and paid parental leave. Working mothers may enjoy breakfast in bed, but they also need the kind of governmental assistance provided by every other industrialized society in the world. With a little imagination, we could restore Mother's Day as a holiday that celebrates women's political engagement in society. During the 1980s, some peace groups gathered at nuclear test sites on Mother's Day to protest the arms race. Today, one of our greatest threats is from our indifference toward human welfare and the health of our planet. Just imagine, if you can, <clears throat> an, annual, an annual million mother march in the nation's capital. Imagine a Mother's Day filled with voices demanding social and economic justice and a sustainable future rather than speeches studded with syrupy platitudes. Some might think it insulting to alter our current view of celebrating Mother's Day and the way we do that. However, political activism does not preclude private expressions of love and gratitude, nor does it prevent people from expressing their appreciation all year round. Nineteenth-century women dared to dream of a day that honored women's civil activism, and we would do well to honor their vision with our own civic activism. <clears throat> so re recalling that Mother's Day was originally started after the Civil War as a protest to the carnage of that war by women who had lost their sons, here is the original Mother's Day Proclamation of 1870 written by Julia Ward Howe, who also, as you know, wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. <clears throat> Arise then, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts, whether our baptism be that of water or of fears. Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We women of one country will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. From the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with our own. It says, disarm, disarm. The sword of murder is not the balance of justice. Blood does not wipe our dishonor, nor violence indicate possession. As men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at the summons of war, let women now leave all 
that may be left of home for a great and earnest day of counsel. Let them meet first as women to bewail and commemorate the dead. Let them then solemnly take counsel with others as to the means whereby the great human family can live in peace, each bearing after their own time the sacred impress, not of Caesar, but of God. In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general congress of women without limit of nationality may be appointed and held at some place deemed most convenient and at the earliest period consistent with its objects to promote the alliance of different nationalities, the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interests of peace. As we continue to add to the numbers each Sunday, mounted here on this pulpit, the current numbers of American men and women who have been killed in Iraq, I wonder why more women don't rise up to urge an end to the war we are waging there. I'm not talking about giving up or fleeing but simply designing and executing a policy that will end the war quickly. No policy, no solution could possibly be perfect at this point. Sadly, the situation seems out of control and nothing that is happening is furthering American interest in the Middle East. Two million people have left Iraq. Ordinary life is unsafe there. We are not making friends with the Iraqi people, or with the Iranians, or with the Syrians. And the poor Jordanians have hundreds of thousands of Iraqi refugees and no work for them. Apparently, it is not even possible to protect the oil supply, Iraq's primary source of income. According to a new report by the U.S. General Accountability Office, between 100,000 and 300,000 barrels of oil a day of the Iraq's declared oil production over the past four years is unaccounted for. That's 100 to 300,000 barrels per day. They could have been siphoned off through corruption or smuggling. If you think about an average of, say, $50 a barrel, the report says the discrepancy was valued at $5 million to $15 million a day. Now, this report does not give a final conclusion on what happened to the missing roughly 2 million barrels pumped by Iraq each day, but the findings are sure to reinforce long-standing suspicions that smugglers, insurgents, and corrupt officials control significant parts of the country's oil industry. Cindy Sheehan the American mother who mounted a campaign against the war was not granted the time of day or a meeting by the President of the United States. Now, I don't think she's a crank. I think that she is a super mom, like the mothers who joined Annie Jarvis and Julia Ward Howe. In 2003, Europe saw the biggest mobilization of protesters 
including a rally of three million people in Rome, which is listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the largest ever anti-war rally. According to the French academic Dominique Renier, between January 3rd and April 12th, 2003, 36 million people across the globe took part in almost 3,000 protests against the Iraq War. Looking at the list of countries, the men, the numbers of anti-war rallies, and the vast numbers of people who attended in countries large and small tells me that there is a great big disconnect in the political process, at least as far as rallies are concerned. People like to participate in rallies and marches, but guess what? If they worked, the Iraq War would have been over long ago. The old-time methods of persuading politicians don't work anymore. The only thing that seems to seem sure to work are large financial campaign contributions that implicitly, if not explicitly, obligate the elected officials. We have a disconnect in the process of representative government here in the United States. I wonder what Elizabeth Cady Stanton Julia Ward Howe, Susan B. Anthony, Alice Paul, Sojourner Truth, and Margaret Fuller would have to say today. Now, I don't have an answer to this question, but I don't think a minister needs to know the answer in order to ask people to consider an issue. I have a lot of faith that people, both men and women, can think things through and come up with good solutions. Mothers are givers and protectors, and they will go to any lengths to make the lives of their children better, however they understand better. Mothers are also women who can like to be politically engaged or who like to have a career. Several years ago, the New Yorker featured a drawing of a supermom. It was a woman standing on a large circular pedestal that looked like it was in the middle of a traffic circle with grass and flowers surrounding the pedestal. The woman wore a business suit, and she carried a briefcase, a tennis racket, a cell phone, a pair of sneakers, and I think maybe she had a sack of groceries as well. I kept that cover for a long time, but I just couldn't find it to show it to you today. But it said, it said look at all this woman is trying to do. Some women put a lot of pressure on themselves to build successful careers and to be good mothers. And it can be a grueling schedule up at 5.30, exercise, shower, breakfast for the children, help them get ready for school, out of the house and drive to work, then home again at the end of the day in time to prepare supper, clean up, run some clothes in the washer and dryer, spend time with the families, read to the children, and go to bed. Is it any wonder that once in a while women say, I have a headache? And that's for the women who can afford sitters. An exhausting day. But at the other end of the career spectrum, there are the others who don't have such well-paying careers, who raise their families perhaps alone, or with help from parents and grandparents, who spend a lot of time waiting for public transportation, may not even have someone to look after their children when they come home from school. The trip to and from work is tiring and often long. Child care can be undependable and unreliable. There is still house cleaning to be done and cooking and shopping. 
both love their children. The supermom with the more rewarding career may be able to afford more help. Both have their own stresses and worries and anxieties. Both are chronically tired, often exhausted from work at home and work at work. For the career supermom, there may be a choice about whether to work outside the home. But for others, work outside the home is a necessity. And engagement in political action or advocacy takes even more energy. For some, the only respite may be Sunday church services for the family or a nap. The work is hard. The rewards are many. The opportunities to be with a child as she begins life and grows and crawls and stands, cuts teeth, walks, learns to feed himself. The negotiation process in raising children is the most sophisticated negotiation process that there is. The challenges and excitements and joys of experiencing with another life is growth and development, disappointments and successes. I always thought bedtime was the best time. Reading stories, listening sharing and soothing. That's when they tell you the good stuff. Then teaching them morals and ethics and how to care for pets to be kind and gentle. Motherhood is one of the greatest adventures in the world, but it's not for everybody. I think it does help us to open our hearts to the children of others and the children of the world who are, in fact, our future. So this morning, I hope you will join me in appreciation of mothers everywhere, the super moms who hold down two jobs and share their love generously. We can't all be mothers, but we can let them know how much we appreciate them and we can honor them. And so, would all the mothers who are with us today please stand and let us applaud for you. You deserve much more honor than that. But we just want you to know. After the service, the men of the church have organized a potluck for all of us in honor of mothers. And I just want to say a little something about that. I didn't know a thing about that. You know, my ideal of the greatest possible church is one where there is a climate where things just pop up and people just pop up and do things. I don't know who organized it. I don't know who brought food. But I can tell you, in my view, y'all are doing good. <laughs> and so bless you, super moms and regular moms and mothers all, and all those who help mothers to do the crucial work they do to make a better world filled with new people, people who practice living moral and ethical and loving, compassionate lives. Amen. <laughs>